Welcome to episode 103 of the Woman of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. We are, 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 This is Judy Stevens, producer. Thanks, as always, for joining us. Before we get to the podcast today with Greg Pak, we're super excited to announce our Woman of Marvel panel at San Diego Comic-Con on Sunday, July 24th at 12.30 p.m. in Room 60E. We're in a bigger room this year, so we're bringing you a huge event. Panelists will include myself, Sana Aminat, Adri Cohen, Lorraine Sink, host and writer of Thwip, The Big Marvel Show, G. Willow Wilson, writer of Miss Marvel, Anne Foley, costume designer of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and some more secret guests. So stay tuned as we gear up for San Diego Comic-Con, and hopefully we'll see you all there. Today we continue our Voices of Marvel series as we welcome Greg Pak, the writer of Totally Awesome Hulk, to the podcast to chat writing the Hulk, his background in film, and being a Korean-American in the comic industry. Now on to the podcast. Welcome to the Woman of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. This is Judy Stevens, producer. This is Sana Amanat, the director of content and character development. And I want to welcome you back to the Voices of Marvel segment, uh, the Women of Marvel. And as you guys may know, it is a segment where we bring in our, uh, our wonderful creators, people who have been bringing their very distinct voices to the Marvel Universe over the last few years. Um, some of our classic creators and some of our, our, our new voices. Um, so this is just an opportunity for you guys to get to know them and how they think um, and what makes them so geek fabulous. Uh, so I'm very excited to introduce Greg Pack, who is a writer for Marvel Comics. He's been writing for us um, for how many years, Greg? I think it's 11 now, believe it or not. 11 years. Which is kind of nuts to me. I, I don't even, I can't even wrap my head around it. But you yeah. still look so young, so Well, thank okay. you. Thank you. Good. good. I'm, I'm, I'm slowly falling apart inside. But I look good. I look good. No. You look great. <laughs> I just got a haircut. Um, well, welcome to our podcast. Thanks for joining the Women of Marvel. Well, thank you very much. I, you know, I'm thrilled to be invited. Thanks. Yeah. So, so Greg, um, uh, obviously you've written uh, a bunch of comics for us, notably uh, The Incredible Hole. And now the totally awesome Hulk. Yes, indeed. Um, but before we jump into that, uh, what 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 is your background? Like, I know you're a filmmaker. So, did you go in saying, "Hey, I'm going to be a filmmaker"? Oh, what comics? I also like comics. Let me jump into that. What was your transition into the field? Well, when I was growing up, I. Um my mom was the kind of mom who uh, did not like coloring books, so we, uh, so I had uh, paper and crayons when I was growing up. So I, I was a kid who drew, you know. So I was always drawing. I was also um, drawn to all forms of storytelling. Basically, Ray Bradbury was my first hero. Uh, mm-hmm. I just remember reading The Velt when I was like nine, which is probably a little too young, but I thought it was amazing. <laughs> um, and uh, I was I wanted to be a writer from the time I was about nine or ten. That was like the first thing I ever wanted to be, um, and so. So I, I constantly was writing short stories and all kinds of stuff, uh, and I was drawing cartoons at the same time. Um, I uh, ended up um, 
and I did that all through, you know, grade school, middle school, high school. I, I uh, did cartoons for various school papers in high school and college. In college, though, I studied, um, at the same time I was doing all this writing, I was writing short stories, taking fiction classes, I was studying political science. And at some point along the line, I stopped thinking about writing as a career. Um, and I, uh, I ended up going uh, back home uh, to Texas after I graduated from college to work for Ann Richards when she was running for governor back in the day, um, and which was amazing. Uh, and I thought I was going to sort of have a life in politics mm -hmm. in one way or another. Um, I ended up getting a scholarship to go to England to study history for a couple of years, ostensibly to become a better politician. Um, but uh, while I was there, I finally had the chance to uh, get involved with a student filmmaking group. Um, and I loved movies um, all my life. I, when I was an undergrad at Yale, I, I kept trying to get into this one filmmaking class, but you had to basically be an art major to get in, and I was not, so I couldn't ever get in. But but finally, uh, you know, when I was in England, I, I got involved with a student filmmaking group, and all the lights came on. Um, and from there, I went to uh, NYU, for, and I got into the grad program at NYU. Um, and, uh, and I made a, a million short films, and I made a feature film called Robot Stories, and that's what I was going to do. Um, and then while I was out on the road with Robot Stories, taking it to film festivals and then uh, on its theatrical run, uh, my agent got me a meeting with Marvel. Um, and it just happened to be a lucky time when Marvel was looking around for new voices to see if there was maybe somebody in the independent film world who would be interested in doing comics and if there, there could be a match there. Um, and uh, so I, I, got, I got a meeting, and it turned out that my screenplay to Robot Stories um, which is a terrible writing sample if you want to do more feature films because it's an anthology picture. It's four different stories, and nobody pays money for people to make movies that are anthology film, films these days. So, But it, it turns out that that was a great writing sample, I guess, for comics because it was four stories, each roughly 20 to 25 pages, and... Um, and it was all genre stuff. I mean, it was a it, these were sci-fi stories, which each one had a robot twist. But at their core, they were emotional stories. They're about families and couples struggling with the kind of things families and couples struggle with. So they, I guess, it showed that I could write concise stories, that I could uh, write genre stuff, and also that I had a grasp of character. You know, that I kind of knew what emotional story was, and that um, that. I, uh, so, so the editors liked that, and, and uh, I started working on stuff and developing stuff. And a year later, my first book came out. It was the Warlock book back in, I think, November 2004, which wow. is crazy. Um, uh, and, uh, and then that, after that, I did the Phoenix Endsong miniseries and a bunch of other miniseries. And finally, I got on board the Hulk uh, with issue 92, and that was the start of the Planet Hulk saga. But you did a good run. On the Hulk. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did. So I, I wrote the Hulk for you know throughout the, the uh, Planet Hulk and World War Hulk. After that, I wrote Scar, Son of Hulk, and uh, <laughs> other ancillary or supporting Hulk books. And then I um, and then also we did the Hercules book. Fred Benlanti and I co-wrote that Hercules book, which was a spinoff of the Hulk book, uh, co-starring Hercules and Amadeus Cho two of the heroes crazy enough to side with the Hulk during World War Hulk. Um, and, then I, and then I got back on the Hulk book uh, at a certain point when Banner had been depowered, and uh, it was a team-up book between Banner and his half-alien barbarian son, Scar. Um, and, uh, and, and I wrote it for another couple of years after that. So I, all, all together, it was about five and a half years of Hulk stories. So. Wow. Your background is so sort of fascinating. I feel like every time we talk to a different writer... The, how they got into comics is so uniquely different. Like, you have this history background and then obviously film, but also political. Does any of this sort of 
impact how you write? You know, it's funny. I, the answer is yes. It's uh, I, I realized uh, when I started writing, you know, professionally that basically anything I'd ever read was it was a good thing that I'd read it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like anything I'd ever studied, it was great that I'd studied it because eventually it's going to come in handy. You know, particularly like, I mean, of all, of all places, with Planet Hulk. You know, with Planet Hulk, I was basically given this incredible opportunity to create a whole world with its own religion, its own zoology, its own politics, its own history. And so everything I'd ever read, literally everything I'd ever read, came in handy, you know, um, and which was fantastic, you know. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, all that stuff. And then, and then I also, um, I've done a couple of projects which are sort of very explicitly historical projects. I mean, I did the Magneto Testament uh, miniseries and also the Red Skull Incarnate miniseries, which are both origin stories for those respective villains. At the same time, they're... Um, Historically accurate fiction set during the time, the rise of the Nazis, and uh, and and uh, and 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 the, the the time of the Final Solution, and it's about you know the Red Skull book is about a, a German orphan who becomes a Nazi, uh, and the Magneto book is about a German Jewish kid who tries to save his family uh, in Poland and in uh, in, in Germany from. The final solution, uh, but those were, you know, certainly all the stuff I'd studied, and I also I, I, I studied German randomly, almost, you know, it was like when I had to pick a foreign language, I was like, oh, I'll take German um, in high school, you know, what I mean? yeah, exactly. But, but all of that, you know, so so all of that history, all of that language, all of that, you know, po- uh, politics and philosophy I studied, all of that, you know, has come in handy in various ways. So speaking of influences, um, obviously you are Asian American, you're mm-hmm. Korean American, right? Yep. Are you full Korean American? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm biracial. Are you I'm half, I'm half Korean and half white. Yeah, Hapsies. I'm hapahaoli, as they say in uh, in Hawaii. Um, so, but, yeah. so yeah, so you're so you're half Korean American. Obviously, like we talk about, and obviously, as you know, we talk a lot about sort of, you know, how our experiences influence um, the work we're we're on, or our creative work and our experiences. So, what is it? Like for you, I mean, obviously, Amadeus Cho is a character that you co-created, mm-hmm. right? And he's Korean American. Yep, yep. Um, and who is also now, by the way, the new Hulk, um, which we will get to again. <laughs> but uh, what is that experience like for you? Like, how do you incorporate that into your writing process? Aside from yes, you created a co- uh, a Korean American character, mm-hmm. but what is that? How does it influence you in a overt, covert way? And also, uh, how is it being an Asian American in this industry in general? Right. Well, um, I mean, I think one of I, 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 one of the one of my motivations as a storyteller. I think one of my reasons for becoming a storyteller is just the fact that I was different. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And I, you know, like this is uh, I I'd probably have to go into therapy to figure all this out uh, uh, explicitly. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but, but I think there's something about being different as a kid that makes you uh, or or that can make you a kid who pays attention to story, you know, like in order to kind of (laughs) explain yourself and understand people's reactions around you, you come, uh, I think 
I became sort of an observer hmm. uh, of, of stories and tried to understand stories and tried to tell stories, you know, um, yeah. uh, just to kind of navigate that. Um, you know, I mean, I, 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 I'm not going to, I, I didn't have a traumatic childhood by any means. I grew up in Dallas, Texas, you know, and uh, I had a very sort of kind of classic outdoor American childhood. I was a Boy Scout and, you know, I went to my local high school and, it, I mean, it was great. At the same time, you know, like with any kid who's a, who's who's different in some way, I had experiences that were not so great, you know, mm -hmm. at different times. Um, I also kind of, you know, I, you know, like I say, I learned, I, th I think I learned something about how to, you uh, how to communicate. I mean, the interesting thing that I always, that I kind of realized at a very young age is that if I ever had a, a racist experience with somebody, it was from somebody I didn't know. You know what I mean? Like the people I knew, uh, uh, even if they were jerks, were very seldom racist mm -hmm. to me. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? To my face. So there was something about that personal experience about learning each other's stories that, that can mitigate that. N not to say that always works. You know what I mean? But that was you know, one of my experiences growing up. And so I think just trying to understand story uh, was something that I was very committed to at a young age. Um, you know, as I started making things for public consumption, you know, started getting stories out in the world, I always made a big effort to cast things diversely. You know, like when I was in film school, uh, I had a huge number of Asian Americans. I mean, most of my films had Asian or Asian American leads. Um, and uh, in comics, too, you know, like whenever I've had the chance, I've jumped on the chance. I mean, I've, I've written, uh, I, I mean, when I had the, one of my first chances ever to create uh, new characters for Marvel. Actually, in, the, in that Warlock book, the, the lead of that book was a, a young Asian-American woman named Janie Chin. And then, you know, uh, co-created Amadeus Cho with uh, great artist Takeshi Miyazawa. And then I, I, I would jump on chances like, well, even the Magneto book. You know what I mean? The Magneto book's about this Jewish kid. And I, uh, I did the War Machine book. I did a Storm book. You know, like those are all, um, I mean, I love all those characters, but there's also just something about telling stories with folks of different backgrounds it's, mm -hmm. that's compelling to me. I mean, it, I mean, and which is also to say that, like, white characters also have different backgrounds. Like, sure. I don't believe in generic white. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's boring if you just write a generic white character. I mean, like, Matt Murdock is compelling in part because of this very specific Catholic, you know, Irish Catholic uh, upbringing. You know, I mean, that's part of his thing. Even, like, um, you know, even like you know, like like if you go across the uh, look at the distinguished competition, you look at you know Clark Kent's Midwest, you know uh, 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 childhood. That's a specific kind of place, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And which is which is intriguing, you know what I mean? Like, um, but any any I think specificity in background leads to deeper characterization. Um, anything that's not generic is interesting. And, and you know, it's an, yeah, because Brian Bendis, we've had these conversations with Bendis a lot before, too, and, and for him, he's like, you know, it's really also just about distinct points of view. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily about what that person looks like or what their ethnic background is, but it's the distinct points of view that they've developed over time of having these different influences and experiences in their lives. And some of it is due to the part that, you know, you're Asian American, I'm South Asian American or whatever. Um, but some of it is about, you know, having uh, grown up in a very strict conservative household or, um, you know, being a part of, the fam part of a family who happens to travel the entire world. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, 
exactly what you look like in that sense. There's also, I mean, something specific from my from from my life. Something that I realized at a certain point was that both of my grandfathers were very quiet men. You know, both my white grandfather, my German, you know, German American white grandfather, German English white grandfather, and my Korean American uh, grandfather. Um, they spoke very little, you know, and so there was a lot of kind of trying to understand and interpret or, or just figure stuff out. But that, that, um, I think that has made me really respond to characters that don't talk a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, in a way, that's I mean, that that, that I think Banner and the Hulk, um, my affinity for a character like that comes partly out of that. You know, not that they were they were not rage monsters uh, by any stretch, <laughs> but that that kind of quietness, that kind of thing of holding something in, you know, holding something back, um, has always been. I mean, I, I wrote the Battlestar Galactica uh, tie-in book for Dynamite. Um, back when and Adama was a character like that you know like Adama says so little but then when he says something it's there's there's always something going on there but but characters like that just always kind of clicked for me um and that's it is that kind of thing where sometimes something that's very specific in your background something that's very specifically Asian American to me might actually make it possible for me to understand a Jewish American character you know what I mean like there's there's interesting ways in which and that's just life right like you take your specific things you try to see you know whatever it is that makes you ask questions and think about how people interact you take that apply it to different stories so what drew you to Hulk? What drew you to Bruce? To- yeah, I always just love that character. I mean, um, my first exposure to the Hulk was probably, well, two, two different ways. One, I had this big uh, Spider-Man Treasury Edition issue. That was like one of my first comics as a kid. It was a giant oversized reprint book. Um, and it had the first appearance of the Green Goblin, which also was a, a Hulk story. It was like Hulk and, and Spider-Man. Um, uh which was awesome. Um, but then the Bill Bixby TV show, the Bill Bixby Lou Ferrigno TV show, actually had a big impact on me. That was, I can't exactly, I don't know exactly how old I was. I remember that, but I remember that would come on every Thursday at 7. It was the only show that I really cared about enough to remember <laughs> the actual time. Um, and I joke about it, but it's true. That show was like my introduction to the literary concept of tragedy. You know what I'm saying? Like that was where, like the fact that, you know, it always ends on a sad note, you know, on that minor key as he's thumbing, thumbing a ride down the road. You know, um, it was really kind of mind blowing to me as a kid. I thought that was really compelling, um, and uh, so I was just always really interested in the Hulk. Um, and uh, when I when I when I started writing for Marvel, I just dropped a lot of hints about how much I liked the Hulk, and then eventually it worked out. So someone picked up on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so. Okay, so just so people know, uh, Amadeus Cho, as I mentioned earlier, is now the new Hulk. Yep. Uh, Bruce Banner is off somewhere else. Um, yeah, and you can find out more with issue uh, number seven, which oh, comes out this 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 Wednesday. What, what day does this podcast come out? It's probably not gonna. It, I think it comes out this first or second week of July. Okay, so well then, by the time they're yes, listening to this, it will be. It will have been out. Issue so number it's seven. out already. If you guys have not already read it, <laughs> you should out, find out what's happened to Banner. Um, yeah, and you know what I really love. I absolutely love. You guys should definitely check out Totally Awesome Hulk. Um, it's just such a di- tonally. It's so distinct from uh, other Incredible Hulk stories, um, and this character is so is still very much the Hulk, but Amadeus brings his own spin to it, which is very fun and enjoyable. Like he loves the fact that he is the Hulk. Yeah. Like, he really enjoys. I mean, he's a little, you know. 
He's a he's a young little hormonal punk, but <laughs> he just loves the fact that he can you know just completely go all green and save the world, even though he kind of messes up along the way. Um, but I just love this version of him so much. Um, I might actually be leaning to him over. Bruce Banner, which I know is sacrilege, but I do really enjoy him. So what is the difference between writing an Amadeus Hulk versus a Bruce Banner Hulk? I mean, do you have a favorite, or you just... Oh, you know, I love them both. You know, I mean, I wrote I wrote the Hulk for five and a half years, and, um, and you know, like I say, that's one of those characters that just clicked for me, you know what I mean? Like, I, there's... Uh, every character that I write, I love, but some of them take me a little longer to kind of figure out, or, or, right. or just more work to kind of get in their heads. Um... But Banner, I was just kind of with him from the beginning. I don't even know why or how, mm-hmm. but it's like this guy made sense to me. Um, so I've loved writing that character. But yeah, but you know, I mean, I co-created Amadeus, and and he's a kick in the pants, and and uh, and this particular combo of him as a Hulk has just been. It's just been a blast, you know? I mean, like, the whole idea is that, as you say, this is a 19-year-old kid who's cocky, and he thinks that he's going to be the best Hulk ever, you know? And so, um, and, of course, he's got a ton to learn, and he drives everybody crazy, and uh, and uh, he's got a sister who's constantly, you know, a younger sister who's, who's always... You know, kind of like, what are you doing? Um, she's the she's his mission control, his genius mission control. But um, uh, it's just been a blast. I mean, it is a it's a huge amount of fun writing this character. Well, it's it's interesting because you talk about the mantle of the Hulk, right? Mm-hmm. You know, this is a legacy character we've had for a while. But then you have two distinct characters, oh, yeah. or two civilian identities taking on this this mantle. And granted, we have other Hulks out there. We got the Red Hulk, She Hulk, whatnot. But how do you, specifically with this kind of Hulk, how do you write a classic character or archetype, if you will, from very distinct backgrounds and points of view? Well, I think Can the, you do that? Or yeah, no? yeah, absolutely. I mean, the great thing about the Hulk, and frankly this is true of, of all of these legacy characters, these characters have been around for, for decades. The reason they've been around for decades is because they are simple enough that you can kind of wrap your head around them very quickly. Um, but they're also deep enough, like that central conceit is deep enough that it allows you to explore them in a million different ways, you know? And um, everything has been done in comics. Literally everything has been done, you know what I mean? Other people have been the Hulk before. Rick Jones was the Hulk, you know? Uh, um, spoiler alert. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> and, and so it's not, it's not new to have somebody else be the Hulk, but there are new things that can come about when you pick different people to be the Hulk and or, or different people to do this or or I mean with with the Hulk is it is it's it starts off as a Jekyll and Hyde story right it's the monster within but there's another take on it which is that it's just the part of you that's repressed that comes out and whether or not that's a monster who knows you know what I mean like Amadeus we've definitely hinted that there's more to Amadeus's Hulk than he might even realize at this stage that there's something darker going on. Um, whether that's going to be a rage-fueled monster or something else altogether, that's we will find out. You know what I mean? Like what? And 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 that's the glory of it is that these 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 concepts allow you to explore these emotional human stories in surprisingly different ways. You know, um, and uh, so. Uh, and and it's also just like it, it comes down to character. Like these characters are are great because they come. They've got different backgrounds, and they've got different neuroses, mm-hmm. and and so things get expressed in different ways. You know, um, and that's uh, that that's just good fun storytelling. I think. 
Well, Totally Awesome Hulk um, is out on stands right now. Uh, we're up to the seventh issue. Uh, go back to the beginning. You can find it in your comic shop. You can find it on now the Marvel Unlimited app, app because we're six months out from issue number one. Um, and, of course, on uh, the actual uh, Marvel app and Comixology app. So check it out. It is so much fun. You're definitely going to enjoy it. Um, now we're going to do a little uh, nerdy shift to, to close, this, close this out. We're going to ask you a couple of quick questions for uh, young, the young Greg. Oh, okay. Back in the day when right. you were a child. Right. <laughs> okay, what color Hulk would you rather be? Red, green, or purple? Oh, green. Absolutely. Why? Um, classic, you know? It's like, uh, uh, well, if you're the Red Hulk, everybody assumes that you're a monster, right? Because it's scary red, right? Um, and uh, and, uh, and uh, purple's a little too much. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, it's a little too much just, you know. To, you, could be, you, could be, you could be a lighter shade of purple. Yeah. I, I, like, I like green, too, because it's also like it is a it's, it's a natural color also. So it's like there's that, you know, there's that hint that, uh, you know, that you're you're part of the world as opposed to, you know what I mean? Like, even though people may be like, oh, yeah, the Hulk, you actually belong here somehow. This is, that says so much about your personality right now. <laughs> I just feel like you're like, let's not shake the status quo. <laughs> you like the original stuff. You're a classic kind of guy. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Great. Interesting. Well, this is good. I like this. Okay. Um, all right. So you say you have a late night TV show. Okay. Who do you want your compadre, your sidekick, the guy next to you? Do you uh, want Amadeus Cho or Bruce Banner? Oh, Amadeus Cho. Absolutely. Bruce, yeah, come on. Bruce isn't going to get up there and crack jokes with you. Bruce is, <laughs> is going to get distracted. He's going to be doodling on his little napkin. Like, coming But he'll up say with really intelligent things. Amadeus may talk over you. That's all right. I can I can I can handle that. You can handle. I can handle that. I can handle that. Yeah. Okay. Um, Final question yep. for your superhero costume: small purple pants or full armor? <laughs> uh, I guess that depends on what I've been eating in the previous couple of, couple of weeks. Um, it also depends on how small those pants. Are. Is it just pants? Is it just? It's pants? just pants. It's just pants. Oh man. <laughs> Is it they summer? They clearly grow <laughs> as, you, as you change size. Uh, they, could, they could be baggy pants if you want. Yeah, they don't have to be tight. I'm probably going to go with, uh, yeah, if you asked me 10 years ago, I might have said pants, but uh, I'm going to go with armor. Oh, I was not expecting that. Classic Greg. Uh, Wants the armor. He wants yeah. the armor. All right, all right. Well, well also because we didn't specify my powers, so I figure armor is oh, that's safe. Armor is safe. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. the excuse you're going for. <laughs> sure. <laughs> because you're getting older. It's cool. <laughs> Um, okay, well, um, thank you so much for, for joining us and for letting us ask you embarrassing questions. Uh, for, for folks out there, let us know, if you want to let us know where they can find you. Yes, um, I, my website is gregpak.com, G-R-E-G-P-A-K.com. I'm on the Twitter machine, which I hear all the kids are into, and that's uh, just my name, G-R-E-G-P-A-K. Uh, what else am I on? I'm on, I'm on Instagram. Yeah. It's crazy, uh, which is Greg Pock Picks, because I guess some other Greg Pock got my actual name. What so jerks? It's, yeah, G-R-E-C-P-A-K-P-I-X. Oh, yes, and then if you want to actually buy stuff, you go to gregpockshop.com. How about that? There you go. Yes, yeah, sell sell your stuff. Yeah, exactly. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not shy. Here, I'm yeah. not shy. Go buy That's it. That's why we're all here, let's be honest. <laughs> Well, thanks again for taking the time. Um, again, you guys definitely check out all of the comics that Greg has wrote because you will love them. Thank you, thank you. And we will see you next time. This is Marvel, your universe. <laughs>